So it is now 7 o'clock live from Pahrump, Nevada in the Dirt Bike Test Shop. This is Jimmy Lewis and this Tech Talk Taco Tuesday. And I'm getting better at saying that even though I've only done this 13 times. And I'm not superstitious. And since when we start, um, oh boy, made a full novice mistake because we're getting started good here. (laughs) So we are... uh, so eventually when we put these up as podcasts, I'm going to do like an introduction show explaining what we do here. And then everything will take a number. So this is actually show number 14, right? Even though it's 13, it's going to be 14 because I, I'm worried about all you superstitious people because I could be electrocuted during this show or like the tequila bottle could fall and you know break my toe. So you got to be careful. Um, th- this week... We are talking about, well, we're answering your dirt bike and dirt bike related product questions. Um, I am a very unbiased and uh, semi-educational source that can help you eh, nine out of ten times without referring to a reference manual. Hopefully that's good enough for you. It's worked for me my whole life. Um, In the journalism world, I guess that would make me a professional. So we're going to get started. little bit of uh, got a little bit of news got a, a lot of questions and uh, we got some new people in helping out the show believe it or not so I will bring those up as we cross those paths um, had a uh, pretty awesome day out doing navigation training but on four wheels that's uh, I know you're gonna get all upset but some of a ha- some of us have to do other things every once in a while um, pretty good times and uh, on that note, if you're riding around Pahrump, uh, Nevada, and you find a cell phone, an Apple iPhone in a white case, uh, charge it up, and you're going to get a phone call, and you may actually get to go out to lunch with Ricky Brabeck. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how those things tie together, but we're just saying. <laughs> so, um, okay, we're going to dive right into the questions. Uh, but I'll let you know we're going to talk about the 2020 Hondas. That information dropped today. Um, and we are going to try to get to suspension. Uh, I know we talked uh, a lot about getting to suspension last time, and we completely blew it off, so we might actually tell you how to set your suspension up. I'll at least go into the first step, which is the most important one, and then like lots of questions. Our KTM 350 uh, full test video obviously uh, hit critical mass someplace, and there was a whole bunch of uh, questions and responses on that. Um, there was a lot of them, so I, I'm going to go back to the YouTube video and answer those probably tomorrow morning when I'm posting this, when I'm waiting for all this uh, video stuff to render. So I'm going to skip off on the KTM questions. We're going to shift it over to some different stuff. And here's our first question. This is coming from Ryan Kuna. And he asked, he said, Jimmy, I just read both of your articles about KTM and Husky going to TPI on the 300s. While that is fact, fantastic news, I'm deeply disappointed that they would choose to eliminate the Kickstarter. As a guy in PA that rides miles upon miles from my truck every Sunday, having an e-start only mechanism is just stupid. Additionally, my 2017 TX300 will never fire via e-start in the dead of winter, the time of year when real wood, woods riders ride. Uh, I get that you can add the kickstart, but that is only because they have not changed the cases yet. Am I a nobody? No, I am a nobody. So am I. But maybe you can get these turkeys to understand their true diehard customers. Well, Ryan, I hate to bust your bubble, but I'm going to completely 100% go on the other side. When was the last time that you, you know, that truck that you drive out to take your bike out there? When was the last time you kickstarted or crank started that sucker? <laughs> and I understand that we're on motorcycles and yeah, um, I've started bikes. Well, we start 20 of them every time I do a school out here and it's cold in the morning. It's, it's like near freezing. And if you have a good battery in there, they generally start up. Uh, it may not, that oil may be thick and sludgy in the beginning, but if everything's set and, and nice, it's usually not too bad, especially on a two-stroke, because there's not a ton of drag, because the crank isn't spinning through the oil. I mean, all the transmission stuff is, but uh, it's not like a four-stroke. There's a big puddle of oil every time that crank kind of comes around and splashes in it. Well, it depends on the bike and how it's set up. But, um, boy, it's that's it's the same. It's an age-old debate, but 
the yeah the 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 boss and the Kickstarter for the Kickstarter is not gone yet. You've got yourself a bike that you can put a Kickstarter in, so you've solved your problem. And those bikes that were starting up every time for my school are literally twenty years old. So your bike could keep you going for the next twenty years, and by then you won't want to kickstart anything. So problem eliminated. Um, couple tricks though. Remember the lithium batteries, lithium batteries that are in those bikes now. Um, they they need to warm up, especially when they're cold. So you cycle them a couple times, just a quick kind of tap, and they actually most of them have circuitry inside that warms the battery, and then you get your full cranking amperage. They don't have the full cranking amperage the very first time. And most of the time when we're riding now, hey, Mitch, uh, grab me um, that, actually that one right over there, that Tusk one. Um, a lot of times it might be plugged in, it'll just knock everything off the table. That'd be super awesome. And you, you don't want to spill beer on that thing either, do you? You carry around one of these beauties right here. This is like the new thing that you carry. Um, and you can jump start your battery at your bike in the morning. And then if for some reason your battery does something funny, you can jump start it in the afternoon. They're about anywhere from 70 to 100 bucks. And they're, sometimes you can get them and they're literally a quarter of this size and they will easily, easily jumpstart your motorcycle. So, um, moot point, uh, I think, but it's the same, it's the same thing. There's, you know, it's just something new and it's, and it's, you feel like you're going to be out there and how do you get it? I'm riding these KTMs that have Kickstarters. My, my EXE 500 has a Kickstarter. And if that battery goes bad, the Kickstarter, you cannot start it. We actually, I carry around a small little jumper. Um, circuit a capacitor and I take the battery out of the system and then then I can kickstart it so um, you'll get over it but uh, I think that w there's more people out there that are worried about weight which is the kickstarter adds to it they can change the chassis design to not have to worry about the kickstarter boss all kinds of things like that and then someone like beta will stick around and keep making kickstart bikes and you know because there's that they're a niche and then you can have your kickstarter so uh, agree to disagree uh, <laughs> I'll take the no Kickstarter because I've been riding my Husaberg uh, that I, I'm still broke up with a Husaberg poor poor bike that hasn't had a Kickstarter and I've never been stranded by this bike yet. So um, I had the right stuff when there was a problem. Uh, so, anyways, that's uh, Ryan. Thanks for the question, and um, I, I you're gonna have to you're gonna have to forgive me on this one. I'm gonna hold I'm gonna hold up my screen and show you the name of the person that. Um, see if i can get it oh you probably can't see it it's that let's see name where's my run sheet here kate's bars uh no it's backwards go that way and down and up right there that name right oh it's so it's so backwards it's like shaving in a in a mirror that name what's that guy's name <laughs> it's it's uh symbols it's i'm not even sure which symbols they are <laughs> how far can a tank of oil go what is the proportion of oil mixed? This is the question I got. Um, I don't know. <laughs> on what? <laughs> on how? How far can a tank of oil go? I, and so I'm guessing right now, because this, this was just sent to me in email, I believe. And um, I think he's talking about some of the new TPI bikes, or maybe he's talking about one of the betas that has oil injection. And I know in the test, we wrote down how many, you know, like with the TPI bike, how many uh, KTM recommends. I think it's like six tanks of gas, if I'm not mistaken, but you can research that in the, on the website. Um, and then it basically mixes it anywhere from 60 to 1 to 100 to 1, or as lean as 100 to 1, and like most, um, most uh, you know, down to, you know, so it, 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 it puts the right amount of oil in there is basically what it does. Uh, and it, I'm sure they're basing it on tests that they've done and stuff like that, but I've had nothing but good luck with oil injection so far. I haven't done dumb things like put the wrong kind of oil in there, like a caster that's not meant to go through an oil injection system. Uh, so I haven't done the bad things that you hear the stories about, and I haven't run it low and then claimed that I had oil in there, and then it seized. And they said, well, I had oil in there, because it's easy. After it empties out and runs lean, then you fill it back up and say, I had oil in there, because never <laughs> you would never do that yourself. So um, I, don't know, I don't understand the question. Please be slightly more specific with the questions, and then I can get a little bit deeper into it. But uh, good job. Um, I don't know what your name is. <laughs> 
know what your name is, but they, thanks. Um, hey, something else cool. Uh, the Kirk Caselli Foundation is the every year they do scholarships for uh, motorcycle racers to go and continue your education. And I was lucky enough in my younger years that I actually got a scholarship back then from Dodge Trucks that helped me go to junior college and then on to a four-year university. And I'm a big um, fan of going to school, as anybody that talks to me knows, because you can't take the education away once they give it to you. So um, they have their um, a $2,500 scholarship award um, given to a candidate. Um, you can check it out at uh, www.kurtcaselli.com backslash backslash scholarship um hopefully somebody on the chat board might um you know post that link up there someplace and then people can see it um but anyways uh it's uh they'll you have to have two years of any level racing experience need to be between the ages of 18 and 35 a legal u.s resident so sorry for the guy that asked the question before i think not probably not um Anyways, you have to be accepted and have a successful completion of at least one semester of ongoing schooling and a willingness to be present to receive the scholarship award, which probably means you get to go riding with uh, some of the Caselli Foundation people, and that would be a lot of fun. Um, they announced it at one of their um, events they have uh, later on in the year. So I suggest if you're going to school and you want to... Uh, keep going to school and have a little bit of money to do it. Uh, that's a great way to do it. So, uh, the deadline is May 25th. So get on it. Um, yeah, they'll, they're, they're going to announce it, announce the winner at the, uh, annual Moto Dopo, Moto Dopo Caselli benefit event in June. Um, Spencer Weber asked me about my top 10 bike lists. And I asked him for his first. I said, you show me mine and I'll show you yours. And he said he had like four and he never got back to me. So um, I don't, I don't I, I'm, I'm holding that one back. So if you want to post your top 10 bike list up, go for it. Um, I'll argue with you all day long. And then you have to remember, here's my, here's my motto for riding bikes. After about 10 minutes, I don't care anymore. I'm going to have fun with what I'm on. So uh, it's really easy to get on my top 10 list and get kicked right off the back. You know, just like a rotating a rotating scale, but I'm not into vintage bikes and I don't have, um, I don't have a lot of, uh, um, connections to inanimate objects that much. So, uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, moving right along here. Uh, I know what it is. It's about time to talk about our motion pro tool of the week. And, uh, New York Joe is here and you're, you're next on my list for questions, but first this, wait, first this, um, uh, tonight is uh, El Himador, which is El Jim Adore, which is I Jim Adore myself, and so that's that's what I'm I'm having. That's the tequila for tonight. Thank you very much. Hmm. It's not great, but um, it's a uh, acceptable. Um, thanks to George uh, for bringing the uh, Ramiro's tacos down tonight. He's um. Uh, a little slow because they were soggy and we judged the delivery time based on the sogginess of the tacos. Yeah. So, um, see Mitch learned something last time. He actually got some tortillas and brought them down there. So when the tacos blow up out of the bottom, we can take them and make like taco burrito things and, and do that. So, uh, but, um, yeah, we're still missing our time at Ramiro's, but the internet connection here is way better even on our 13.5 show. Um, Okay, Motion Pro Tool of the Week. Here, I'm going to show it to you here. And you got to guess what it is, and I'll talk about it a little bit later. This is it. Anybody, uh, I'm waiting for the delay right now, right? Because somebody's checking it out. Okay, here we go. What is this guy here? You know what that is? Actually, it's a trick because it, it doesn't come apart. And then and if you do it right, like this, and then it comes apart. It's like surprise. And then it goes like this, and it goes back together. So uh, don't. Don't, uh, yeah, announce it on the thing. Maybe, you know, maybe then we'll give you a really nice Dirt Bike Text t-shirt. You never know. Um, I want the proper name, by the way. <laughs> maybe the part number. And and tell me how many, mil how many millimeters it is. Um, yeah, these Dirt Bike Test shirts are super awesome. Uh, you can, there's a little button on our website that says store. You can uh, go grab them there. And uh, they're superior. 
to any other uh, t-shirt. Well, Gabe rock, walks in like a rock star. A little late. You know what you're going to have to do for that, right? Yeah, we'll tell you in a minute. Um, okay, back to the questions. Uh, Joe, New York Joe, is asking, he's talking about his 2019 Honda CR450X, and he says, going to a flex bar, being a taller rider, do you have a recommendation or go with what's comfortable? I think that question answers itself. I would go with what's comfortable. <laughs> and and as your riding changes, sometimes your bar position changes and stuff. Um, I'm a big fan of basically, you know, having some adjustability. And the cool thing about the flex bar is allows some adjustability in the in the in the um, in the angle of the bar. Um, kind of learning what you like in the sweep. And I know that you also own a KTM, and the KTM has a very flat bar. Your CR450X, the bar is maybe a little bit back. And also the CR450X, the bar is actually a little bit tall. So kind of take that into consideration. Uh, the guys at Fast Company are experts at knowing which bend angle, you know, all that stuff. And if you call them, they can answer that question. Uh, so when you're taller, you know, it depends on how, you know, some people are tall, le you know, longer legs, longer torso, different things. And it depends on how you ride, uh, where, you know, whether you need a taller bar or a shorter bar, because some tall guys have really long arms. So go with what's comfortable. Uh, installed, uh, you said Yokohama, but you meant Yoshimura. Yoshimura pipe with a silencer and a JD tuner. My bike is still pipey. Do you think the tuner can flatten the power bound out a bit? Absolutely. So the way to do this is to um, generally add a little bit of fuel and possibly take out some ignition tuning. So, um, and it depends on where it's poppy. So if it's the first you know, the blip of throttle, like, you know, first quarter, and that's generally where bikes get snappy um, for most riders. That's either the green, the green light, which is the first one, or the red and blue, which is the, the quote, pump squirt, and that's, at the, that's like the sixth thing you adjust. So make a note of where yours is at now and try, you know, adding some fuel in green and see what it does, and then try adding some fuel in blue and see what it does. You know, and then go back and forth and, and try it. But I will tell you that the Honda is very responsive to the the green, the yellow, and the red. So the, 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 the tuning zones, it's very responsive to. Not very responsive to the blue-red, which is the pump squirt or the, or the, you know, the accelerator pump jet kind of setting, if we we're talking about it in carburetor terms. So... That's completely the opposite from my experience with KTM and Huskies. And uh, those are the two bikes that I've tried the JD tuner. Well, I've tried it on a Suzuki, and the Suzuki uh, didn't seem to – it responded to everything. So um, I would try that. If so, would you mind sharing your settings? Um, I don't have a Yoshimura pipe, so my settings will not work <laughs> with your – pipe because they're all slightly different but i'm pretty sure you know what i think we're going to actually put our final settings up in our next update and um we'll see we'll see how they uh see how they compare uh but for the most part the standard settings that come on that tuner are pretty good i deviate a little bit because i think their tuner when they say open pipe is more for like a true open pipe more like your yosh pipe is but if you put the spark resters in, I think it still flows a little bit more than the FMF one. So everything's different. And then it's personalization. That's that's why they allow you to tune it. Um, and let's see. For an intermediate rider, would you would an ECH, ECU change be warranted? Uh, I don't know where you can get an ECU for this bike. Currently, I'm trying to get one from Vortex right now so I can test it. Um, uh, I, don't, I think for any rider, uh, ECU change can be warranted if you know what you want. Like, what's wrong with the one that's in there? And that's what I always ask. What's what's the one in there doing that makes you want to change it? Like, what specifically is it? Because maybe you don't necessarily need to to change the ECU because with the with a different ECU, then you can also change ignition maps. Uh, but right now, I think you can you can kill that bike with fuel. I can kill mine with just fuel. And, uh, and then the other thing is if it's too snappy, you could also put the air box cover back on 
that'll that'll really tone it down. And if if you want something in between, modify your airbox cover. Like make it slowly, make it a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger until you kind of get to that point that you want. Or find better inserts for the exhaust uh, to to kind of cork the exhaust up a little bit. I don't know if that's the best method because then you start to add a little bit of heat. But it's it's all tuning and uh, hopefully that helps. Helps. Recently ran a 1551 and 49 drive and thought the bike performed well. Would you recommend testing any changes with the front sprocket? Uh, what's stock? I don't. Um, there's a sprocket right over there that didn't fit, but it's the right tooth count. Can you count that tooth? We're, that's what's awesome about being here in the shop. I can answer questions based on uh, stuff we have laying around on all the tables that are piled up with way too much uh, junk. <laughs> So uh, I don't. I think it's fourteen. Does it say fourteen? I'm pretty sure stock is fourteen. It usually is. Mitch is counting desperately. Fourteen. Yeah. So gearing it up for fifteen. Um, uh, I if you're gonna go really fast, I like to go slow. So I wouldn't go 15 <laughs> i'd probably no i actually wouldn't go 13 because i don't want to ride that bike any slower because it's not that's not what it's designed for it's designed for going fast so um i think it goes plenty fast with the 14 14 i think we're at 14 50 i think we dropped one in the rear is our kind of current current setting we're running that sunstar sprocket and testing out the durability of that uh, see how that goes so um joe hopefully i answered your questions uh Let's see. I saw a question pop up across the thing. Okay. I, I, hey, everybody in the in the chat room, I just want you to know that Jenny Henriksen might be a dude. It's just 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 kind of throwing that out there. You know how you're talking to somebody on the internet and it sounds it seems like a nice you know nice young girl. It's a 58 year old man. Okay, just warning there. Uh, don't know why I said that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, uh, yeah, Marco, you stole your wife's account again. I can tell. <laughs> so, uh, okay. The, uh, let's see, uh, here is a question I got. I don't know if I, um, answered this one. I'm going to talk about the 2020 Hondas before I get into KTMs here. So this, uh, this morning, Honda released their, um, 2020 information for all of their basic dirt bikes. Um, the R's, RX's, X, L, and what are the family ones called? F's? CRF F's? Family, right. F for family. There's a lot of CRF's and F's and R's and X's, and I just, it's, it's, I liked it when it was like XR, you know? <laughs> yeah, old guy. Um, okay, so they have, um, it's, it's kind of a, a bold new graphics here, is I mean, last year they came out with a million new motorcycles. And so this year they're kind of just fine tuning and updating a lot of stuff. Um, so the X and L or um, 450 are largely unchanged. It's a graphic change. Uh, they made, they actually introduced traction control. And uh, the one question I forgot to answer, and I'll, I'll hopefully I can get to this, is uh, interesting to see if, it'll, if that stuff is actually in your current 2018 and you can figure out where the plug goes because a lot of times they have to learn that they're going to do this in a year or two and that stuff is set up but they introduced traction control so it's i'm pretty sure it's going to be very similar to the way that like a ktm or husky does it where husky has two ignition maps and then and then you can add traction control to either of those honda has still three ignition maps and they have the ability to add traction control in three different levels to any one of those maps so now you have two buttons to play with and the one thing that we complained about that um is that those buttons are not really on the fly because you have to let the bike kind of be down to idle and it take you have to hold it for two or three seconds to get it to activate the next map which i mean it's hard to like be up in the air jumping and get the bike down to idle and hold it for three seconds before you land um this is how we all think we would ride. You know, I'm pulling a tear off and doing all that stuff. So um, it's kind of like you have to pick one and then ride with it. And if you really want to change it, you're not going to do it like in the middle of a moto. So uh, that would be the one change I would like to see. But it'll be interesting to see how they implement their traction control because they did a really good job with their maps last year. 
um, I was really surprised because it was kind of stepping out of character for them to have maps that actually you could notice or really um, it really worked. So it'll be kind of cool to see uh, how that works because the 450 specifically is kind of known for having maybe too much power. Some of our test riders actually said the bike had too much power. And these changes are on the RX as well. So the race bikes get that stuff. Um, and we can, um, we can now play with the, you know, the, the traction control and also different ignition mapping. So it should be pretty cool. Um, excited to try that. Um, and then, so if you're a little bit more jerky with a throttle, uh, or you're in places that require traction control, good option. Um, uh, sometimes I always, I, a little, you know, I think that that's more of a kind of a, uh, sales floor, you know, kind of feature, you know, I call it seat bounce, but at the same time, uh, when I ride, so I remember the one that really impressed me was off-road Husky had traction control on one of the, uh, F FX, I believe it was. And it blew me away by how, how good it was. And I usually don't like it because it seems like it takes some of the, cause I want the bike to spin sometimes and it's still allowed a just enough spin, but when it got too much, it kicked in and did its job and, and kind of helped with, uh, making the bike more rideable. So hopefully, uh, hopefully we're winning with that. Uh, a lot of, like I said, a lot of graphic changes. The 250 actually gets uh, some changes to alter the power. They're really working on getting that um, on the 250R. Uh, They're trying to get that power shifted down a little bit lower. If you want to read about the 2019, our test is up on the uh, main slider on dirt bike test. You can read about that bike. And hopefully I'm going to get Trevor to ride our 250RX and then talk about why you would want one or the other. And, uh, he's like cringing right now. He's like going, I have to write more stuff. It's like, yeah, that's what we do around here. <laughs> right after you ride. So, uh, so we, we've kind of got the 2019s covered and then we'll ride the twenties, uh, come in here when they get released. I think it was in July sometime. And, uh, then we can kind of see if they did get more power out the, 250RX would indicate that there is bottom end power available in the R. And for sure, when you start doing a cam change, they're doing some stuff with the air filter. Um, they took the resonator off the exhaust. And so they're looking for it. They might be able to find it in there. I don't know if it'll ever get to the point where, you know, the Yamaha is, but uh, time will tell. Uh, they won a Supercross championship with it. <laughs> so, uh, okay. We're back into... Yeah, we're getting down to the KTM question here. 2016 KTM SFX 450 Factory Edition. The launch control and the mapping control are clunky and erratic. Didn't I just say they were actually pretty good? <laughs> yeah, I like the way they switch on the fly. Um, KTM changed this setup for 2017. Uh-huh. And they changed it for 18 and they changed it for 19. Can these be replaced with an aftermarket ECU and JD jetting and would you advise the same? I would be willing to bet that those ECUs are programmable because they're competition bikes, and you could get the current programming for your 2016. I don't know specifically, but there's plenty of guys out there that know that stuff. I know uh, Chris Blaze uh, does a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, so you can uh, check him out. He's... Uh, just search Chris, Chris Blaze and uh, what, what is Chris's <laughs> Patty's always on the Facebook. She should find us and chime in and let us know if get a link. You could search them on search them on Facebook right now and uh, they can do the tuning and he would know specifically more about that. He's known for off road, but for sure he can tune a motocross bike. No problem. And that would answer your question. I know there are aftermarket ECUs that you can do stuff with. You can get vortex ignitions for those. Absolutely. You can put a JD jetting tuner on it. Um, but it really depends on what you're trying to blaze racing. That, that's pretty obvious. <laughs> hey, wait, Marco, you're back as Marco. <laughs> no, I saw that Jenny was actually on here. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I should have known just blaze racing, right? <laughs> I can't, this, this thing's getting, yeah getting bad um i hit it on the ground victor victor says dude is there even a slight chance of a hard enduro organized by you in the future not extreme as king of the motos but something rideable for most guys out there that go single track riding every weekend 
Uh, uh, no. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Here's this was a standing offer I had way before I ever did um, uh, King of the Motos. I used to tell District Thirty Seven Desert Clubs, it's like, hey, you know, some of them were kind of dying off, and they, they had these race dates, and they couldn't get their race put on. And I said, you come to me, and I'll put on your third loop for you. So that offer still stands. Only in Johnson Valley, though, because I don't. I'm not a big fan of of. Uh, I can't crush you in Red Mountain successfully because it's too easy to go around all this stuff. In Johnson Valley, I can put you someplace you can't get out of. Um, so any District 37 club that wants to put on their last race ever, I will do your last third loop ever. Solid. <laughs> okay, so Victor, that's the answer. So you take your popsicles out. <laughs> Victor, by the way. Uh, makes the best. He, he he has the best popsicles. He used to bring them to the finish line at King of the Motos, and they're they're hand handmade, super awesome juice popsicle bars. Oh, we're talking about food, aren't we? Uh, case bars. Yeah, I'm. It's a spot full. It's Kate's bars. Kate rides dirt bikes better than you. Okay, that's why you should eat Kate's bars. And I'm not. I'm serious about that. Kate is an awesome rider. You can search her on Facebook too. Uh, this is what keeps me going all the time when I'm riding and they have cool flavors. This is a, this is the tram bar, milk, chocolate, and peanut butter. And then they have the mango coconut tiki bar. And if you email me at Jimmy at dirt bike test, I might give you a discount code that'll make them cheaper than any other bar you can get. And then you'll get addicted to them like I am. And then, uh, it's enough said. And then anytime you're riding, your friends will wonder why you have extra energy and the stuff you're eating tastes good. So um get a kate's bar email me for promo code uh let's see let's see now for the current question okay this is another this is another one of our um uh viewers christian asked um he asked actually a couple questions but i kind of narrowed it down to the one he was asking about the fuel rail on a ktm and a husky and he said he'd been reading about it on um some ktm and husky.com and it says um, basically blah, blah, blah. So, so everything he says that there's a, there's a 90 degree f angle in the fuel injector and he, they, they, on this thing, I looked, I researched it briefly and I have not used one of these things, so I can't tell you. Um, he says that those, that 90 degree turn in the fuel injector is losing power and, uh, causing the bikes to run in properly. I have never ever experienced running improperly or a fuel delivery. And here's here's the only reason I'm going to go with that is because um, even when we when we've done stuff where that that 90 degree and just had fuel flow through it, there's so much fuel going through there. I don't care how wide open your bike is; it's never that much flowing through that thing. So. Um, Maybe if you're doing a snow bike with a turbocharger on <laughs> something like, I don't know. Um, I don't have a problem with power on my KTM 500 uh, ever. And really, you know, you think about how much flow something like that. It, it, I mean, yeah, sure. Sharp bends can change. Uh, get a engineer in here. <laughs> I don't, I don't think it's, I'd have to actually test it back to back um, to see if it actually made a difference. Uh, but, um, cause I mean, there's a 90 degree coming right out of the tank, isn't there? Some, I mean, most, most, it, no, this it's, there's no return on these. There's no return. It's just, it's just the 90 degree angle, like right at the fuel injector, the way they connected, it, it makes a, it makes a 90 before it sets on top of the fuel injector. I don't think it's an issue. I mean, uh, maybe if you're a top fuel dragster and you're trying to type and dump nitro methane inside of it, yeah, if something like that could be an issue, but I would have to try it to actually give you a real, um, my magic wand is going to spill my beer off the table. This, this one right here, this one isn't even open yet. This is, I'm saving this one. Hmm. Yeah. I gotta have a little more of this. Uh, mm. let's see. So anyways, um, if it was true, why would KTM have not fixed this by now? Because it's not a problem? And not a problem for 99.9% .9 of us or something? Yeah, it's, yeah. It, look at just, it, I don't think it's, I don't think it's really that much of a, that much of an issue. Um, I, I, it's, 
yeah, fuel flow. I mean, if there's an issue in there, it's the fuel injector getting plugged or clogged before any of that, that thing would really make uh, that much of an issue. Have you seen this, the filter that they squeeze the fuel through? <laughs> the little tiny, that little cone filter? That's way more of a restriction than that 90-degree angle. So I'm sure he tells you to take that out too and run a big giant one as well. But I, I didn't do too I didn't do a ton of research on it because I, I didn't think it was a much of a problem. So hopefully that answers your question, Christian. Thanks for um, chiming in. I am going to look at my questions on the board. Um, here we go. Wow, a lot of people up here. Um, yeah, Garrett, I can't wait for my oil injected beta 200 either. I gotta, I gotta check in and see, see Patty was on the thing. <laughs> Patty should have answered the blaze racing question. Uh, but anyways, yeah, if, if you need, if you need engine work done on a KTM four stroke, actually any, actually Honda's too. Cause Chris was there as well, man. He is the guy, uh, honest, uh, knows what he's talking about. Um, doesn't, yeah, fair. Doesn't, doesn't. You know, and I, I do most of my work on my own stuff. And when I have a problem, something strange or whatever, I call Chris and then he'll tell me whether it's strange or I'm an idiot. And, uh, but he never tells me I'm an idiot that, that much just once that I remember. <laughs> so, um, guy really knows his stuff. So that's a, that's a good, that's a good thing to, to know if you're looking for that kind of stuff. And he will tell you which KTM's will last forever, and he'll tell you the ones that he's gonna you're gonna be sending back to him over and over again. Uh, tell us the Cameron wants to know. Tell us the great Nevada Rally story and why we haven't had anything like it since. Uh, the great Nevada Rally story was oh how I was leading with a nine or eight minute overall lead after the first day, and then I managed to lose it. <laughs> That's horrible. Stupid. It was a stupid mistake. Just bad navigation and then panicked. So, so bad. Um, no, that's you're talking about the Johnny Campbell story, which were were it was just the classic, you know, smart French rider led young American rider off the thing. If you want to hear that story in full, go to the Whiskey Throttle podcast and search the Johnny Campbell episode. And Johnny tells that story, and he can tell it better than I can. Um, and why is there not a Nevada rally anymore? Because our current land use management practices will not allow an event that could potentially have people go off course. The race promoter is responsible for keeping the riders on the course. So when you're talking about a speed-based navigation event and someone's racing and they get off course, um, you're, they're, they're off the course and they're not allowed to do that. The promoter is not allowed to do it. It's against the permit. So you can't get those in the United States. That's why. So when they do, even the last couple Nevada rallies, they had to mark some of the course because of sensitive, you know. So that's why you can't do them in North America with our current land use practices. In order to do a proper rally, you need you're going to be needing to use public land, and it's just not it's just not feasible. Um, so that's why we end up going to Mexico or you're seeing them in other countries that have a little more lenient um, land use practices or lots and lots of private property or landmines because places with landmines generally allow lots of crazy events to go on. The car's going back to going to Saudi Arabia. We'll see how that works. Um, I think the train looks awesome. I'm, I'm still, I don't know. We'll see how everything else goes. There was, there was a big backlash on that. I I think a lot of the racers are excited because they want an open, fair place to go race. Uh, the uh, the political climate and stuff like that is um, uh, definitely different. So, and I don't know enough about it to comment on that. So I'll there. Let's see, government, Cameron. Yes, Sean. Correct. Uh, why are all the cool races in other countries? Um, hey, they're, they're your laws too. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, hey, Jared. Jared Keller. Was he the one that asked me about uh, the third motos last week at uh, the national? Are you going to any nationals this year? Maybe I'll maybe I'll make one. I'm I'm totally out of shape. Not even running anymore. Hardly, but I'll I'll try it. Uh, thank you, Katrina, for putting up the uh, Kurt Caselli scholarship link. Um, and San Felipe Bob is here. Uh, yep. Chiming in with those expert comments, and now my computer has froze up. Have we killed the internets yet? Not yet. Let's scroll down a little bit farther. Oh, here we go. 
Fork Seal, Mark Daniels kind of got it. Fork Seal, what company? Fork Seal Pushy th- Pusher thing. That's Chris. I beat up on Chris last weekend. I can't remember why, because Chris Smith is such a common name. I used to race with a Chris Smith. I wonder if it's the same Chris Smith. I'd have to. I don't think it is. Chris Smith was on our World Championship Junior ISD team back in Czecho in, in Slovakia in 1991. How's that for a history lesson? Um, Chris Real says my shot glass is bottomless. Chris, I need to have you in here one time. Uh, we'll talk chemicals and chemical related products. Actually, I had a real interesting discussion with the Chevron um, guys that are making the new Power Sports Tecron stuff. There's some of it around here, down there on the shelf, down there. Um, yeah, Gabe, you're gonna have to get up and get this. Oh, we're gonna make George do it. Play paper, rock, scissors. Yeah. Yeah, you got that stuff. That stuff right there. Yeah, just this magic hand. That was Gabe's hand. That's his first appearance on the uh, Tech Talk Taco Tuesday. He will be producing this thing as soon as we have something for him to produce, and he can show up on a regular basis. So this is this um, Tecron. I know Chris was always a fan of this stuff, uh, and I'm learning about this because this is different than their normal fuel injector cleaner. Uh, and I just need to get more educated before I can speak to it. But I have put it in some things, and seems to be working. So, um, yeah, I'll when I get more info, I'll let you know. So, because ethanol in our fuel is a big problem, and there's a lot of uh, issues with that. And I'm trying to learn more about that. So, let's see. This Chris Smith was born in 1985. <laughs> uh, Good to have you listening. Okay, so going to kind of stroll. 48 millimeter fork seal installer. Hold on, let's see. Well, it's getting close, Mark. Let me see. This is the uh, Motion Pro 08490, which indicate that it would be 49, but no, it's a 43 millimeter fork seal installer. And I use this one on all of our uh, KTM RFS bikes. But yes, you guys got it right. Um, you're supposed to call it a Motion Pro thing because they're the ones that are uh, helping us out with this stuff. Motion Pro fork seal and tar. So when do you you can you when when do you need this? Uh, it's when you so it's to drive your seal. It's basically a slide hammer that doesn't do damage to your fork seal. And from a guy who used to do it with like a a hammer, you know, with two screwdrivers kind of hangled in there and trying to hold it, and usually have someone else tap on the thing and scratch your fork legs and blow the seals out that you the brand new seals you just paid you know 40 bucks for the set uh after you waste two fork seals you paid for that little tool right there and if you do them every once in a while it's probably probably worth it have or if you're a shop get the good stuff and that's what makes motion pro tools so good they are um good yes you can buy knockoff ones and here's my here's my take on knockoffs this is why you got to be careful of knockoff anything you know what it is it's a copy of the guy that took all the time to R and D and develop and design and, and, you know, whether there's, and luckily, you know, you'd be lucky if you can get locked into a patent and protect you from having knockoffs made, which doesn't always, isn't always the case. But if you, if you really want stuff to continue to involve companies like motion pro that are, they, they sent me such an awesome tool, a, like a year, a year and a half ago. And I've been kind of trying to break it. Cause that's what I do. I break things. Uh, and it hasn't broken, but it's super expensive. It's this trick little, like we have that thing on the MP tool, but companies like motion pro are constantly evolving and designing and, and, you know, kind of pushing forward, making better stuff. And if they go away, there's nothing to knock off. The company that knocks that off doesn't have a genius that they have to pay a lot of money. That's going to figure out how to make your tool better or a better tool for you. So think about that. Um, that's why you should um, support the companies that support this sport, support this show. You know, um, that's, you, you know, somehow we all are responsible for where we end up putting ourselves. So pay attention to that when you are making purchases. Uh, that's my 10 cents on knockoffs because you're going to save, you know, maybe half sometimes. But what are you really doing? <laughs> uh, okay. Let's see. Um, scrolling down a little farther. Jenny says, I'm the best. See, this is where I'm getting confused because I don't know if this is Jenny or Marco. 
<laughs> I know your bike runs great. I I tuned it around the parking lot here at the house. That thing worked great. I put a I put a we I wanted to try a JD uh, jetting tuner on a KTM 250 EXC, and so luckily Marco and Jenny had one, and they let me borrow it, and I put the tuner on it, and the bike rips, and I'm trying to get my maybe I'm still buying my 350. David, where is it? Where's my 350? I loaned it out to some girl, and we don't know where it went. <laughs> so okay. Um, Let's see. Baja Dyers loves his RX. No, that you, you spelled that backwards. It's XR. Yeah, that was a typo, right? <laughs> uh, yep. Um, and oh, and someone else, Christian, the guy we talked about with the um, with the the L bracket, he sent me a video of he raced his KTM 690 at the Sonora Rally, and it looked like it was a couple years ago. But he also included a link in 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 his question to show me that and. I got confused <laughs> as like, cause why would you, why would you do you, you and Baja Diaries Mark need to go like have coffee sometime and talk about six nineties. Cause you'll, one of you will straighten the other one out. Cause if I was going to go to the Sonora rally on a six fifty, I'd have my XR six fifty. That's right over there. Um, I should make Gabe wheel it into the back here. It's buried. It's buried? Oh yeah. My XR650 has been across that Sonora Desert, the Altar Desert, a bunch of times. And that quite possibly is the best bike I've ever ridden across there. So, uh, anyways, it's spelled Blaze Racing. That's right. Um, oh, good. A couple other people got in there and helped. Uh, that's good, Marco, that you're holding hands. I don't know how you're typing so fast while you're holding hands. Uh, oh, yeah. Chris knows how to make Huskies run because guess what? Huskies are KTMs. Um we got the Kate's Real Food thing up there. Awesome. Take a drink of beer. Okay, I saw that one come up across the thing. Two-stroke snow bike impeller air filter toast. Uh, I don't have time to go onto my Instagram feed right now. I'm going to drink this beer of brand of which I don't know because I'm getting thirsty. I'm drying my thing. I'm in SoCal, Jimmy. Government kills us here. Mm-hmm. Oh, an XR650 might roll into the back of the screen with a big giant tank. Gabe, you got to figure out how to do it. Watch the ca watch the camera up there. Uh-oh, you're on TV. Yeah. Yep, that's it. <laughs> yes, my XR650 has an electric start. It's uh it doesn't work right now because there's no more parts in the whole world for this custom Baja Designs electric start, but maybe you can, you know, email uh Email Baja Designs and ask them. Sell it. Say I need a new ring gear. Um, okay. Oh, tell us about the time you qualify for an AMA National for Cycle World and wrote a story about it. Cameron, <laughs> you want to know why I wrote a story about it? So I don't have to tell that story <laughs> ever again. No, because I I forget. I forgot I did that. No, I did. I didn't forget. Um, yeah, I can, I, it was back in the Jeremy McGrath, Greg Albertine, Jeff Emig days, those guys, I was a, I was a journalist at the magazine and I thought, I wondered if I could qualify for an outdoor national. So I did, I qualified 40th, um, basically cause I was slow, but I get good starts. I actually get into the last chance qualifier. They have a, they have a moto, uh, at like they take 36, like I think back then they took the top ten were seated, the the tenth through, you know, thirty sixth was based on uh, qualifying times, practice times, and then they had a moto with everybody else. It was like a last chance qualifier, and I could get good starts. I had an Eric Krippa tuned CR two fifty in nineteen ninety six. That was the year before the aluminum frame. Uh, CR two fifty. Uh, I'm pretty sure I got a whole shot, or I was like kind of the first to wherever the line would have been, but then. Two guys went past me. I was hanging on and uh, hanging on, and one more guy passed me, and I barely qualified, 40th. Uh, so I made the I made the show, which was super awesome. Uh, and then Chuck Sun walked into the pits and because he was a former AMA national champion. He walked up and told me, Jimmy, I think I'm going to race today. <laughs> and it, a little more history is uh, Eric Krippa used to be Chuck Sun's mechanic back in the uh, – in the Husky days. So, uh, he was just screwing with me. 
but I ended up finishing 27th. Didn't score points. There was no way. I mean, I wasn't fast enough, but I could ride decent. Um, I didn't know how fast those guys sprinted for the first few laps, and it was just like I was off the tail, but I survived. So, oh, hey, I remember that story. Amazing. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Miss my night races at Dove Springs. Um, they weren't mine. That was a collective. <laughs> I just happened to be there racing with everybody else. Those were awesome. There's videos of that stuff. Um, let's see. Always drain the float bowl. So Sean's talking about like the problem with the gas. I'm not a big fan of draining the float bowl because a lot of the stuff inside there dries out. Um, and, and with the, the moisture that's in there, a lot of the corrosion that's left and, and this is, I'm going to learn a whole bunch about this. We got to, we got to, we're going to schedule a call with the Chevron guys about gasoline and about, um, the additives and different things. So I will know more about it and I will report back to you guys. Uh, and then I'll get Chris Real out here and he said, say the word and I will attend and that'll be awesome. Cause he knows probably too much about uh, fuel, but I think he's a petroleum engineer by trade. He's a sound specialist. Um, it's pretty awesome. Let's see. Oh, that tasted good. No, it didn't. Marco, are you kidding? This stuff is poison. Actually, uh, this is super poison. That's why it has an X on it, and this is not too bad. Mm. So, um, let's see. Andrew says hi. Hi, Andrew. Um, when are we going to do that Rescue 3 school that we've been talking about? Rescue 3 is the volunteer organization that does the safety for a lot of off-road events. And I want to give back to those guys because that one time when I lost my toe, they helped me. They didn't help me find my toe. It was still in my boot. But they, uh, <laughs> they're the ones that told me I should go to the hospital very quickly. So uh, what is um, – and there's one of my running buddies – <laughs> he says yay pbr uh let's see air guitar and yeah, that's that's this is a different topic somebody asked about knee braces phil wagner asks for knee brace reviews um man we did one back at dirt rider that was actually pretty good and the interesting thing was is i i had a couple doctors some that were motorcycle um enthusiasts and some that were absolutely not they were just knee specialists look at some of the braces and it was really interesting what they said about the knee braces and and how they were perceived and stuff so they um but i haven't done one for a while i actually believe it or not i've been wearing a lot quite a bit of knee pads i've I got my knees pretty strong again which is super good for me uh and then I kind of wear knee braces when I ride at the motocross track, and I'm going between uh, asterisk braces uh, lately, and I uh, have some uh, EVS ones, I believe, which I'm happy with. They fit, and that's the biggest thing. And like any protective equipment, it has to fit, and then uh, it's good. So I haven't done – there's so many reviews I'd like to do. It's just a matter of that takes a staff and full time, and this is – part-time and spare time and and doing stuff like that but as we grow i would like to do i want to do that helmet test i was talking about a while back i really wanted somebody needs to do a real good helmet test because there's a lot of you know companies now with new stuff coming out um and i would like to see how that technology really performs in some sort of a kind of a a standardized test but one that shows what these helmets are actually doing and one that the helmet couldn't a standard or a test that the helmet can't be built to because you can't tell me how you're going to crash and uh that's really uh you know you have to kind of do a lot of different stuff to see how that works so uh knee brace test would be another good one although it'd be hard to find um you know a, a way to really quote test those things but when we use these products we use stuff like you would in everyday um you know walks of life riding you know testing stuff out so when we're when we're doing this uh evaluation we don't just get the product read the press release wear it at the intro you know if there's an intro and come back and say hey this is great you know i, I went to the alpine stars helmet intro uh, probably about a year ago and I'm almost, I, I, I know the helmet pretty well, and I'm almost waiting to actually crash with it to to kind of give my final decision. It's a good helmet. It's a light helmet. I think it's I think it's nice, but I, quote, haven't tested it. 
Um, I did actually on the at the intro, I kind of put my head down on the ground and it, you know, it did its job, but any helmet would have done that particular job. So, you know, something with helmets, it's crazy. Safety equipment, it's you know, someone was asking me about re, knee, uh, wrist braces. We just have a test on a Mobius wrist brace on the website. Wrist braces, actually, because our, our guys, I did not wear one. Our other guys did. I probably should sometimes because my wrists are junk. But a lot of these things, what they're doing is they're, they're, the safety devices are kind of transferring load or dispersing, dispersing energy. Um, the climb, uh, uh, they have an impact uh, suit, aggressor suit. I'm, I, the name eludes me right now. That has some interesting foam that, that hardens. It's soft, but it hardens up as, as you hit it. It's not the D3O stuff. It's different. And there's so much cool stuff been coming out there. I'm sure this all stuff is gonna gonna um, evolve and get better. Uh, so, but how do you you know how do you properly test it? It's it's difficult, but we we'll try, do our best. Um, moving right along, saw some other stuff kind of post up here. Um, Marine Cameron's been putting marine grade stable in my gas tanks and run the bike for a few minutes to let it get in the carburetor ejector. What do I think about that? George, what were we using? We were using a seafoam. Startron. Startron. So we've been trying all this different stuff. And a few years ago, um, I actually did a test, and this is one of the things I want to talk to the Chevron guys about, where I was hanging um, pilot jets inside of glass containers and, and then... Um, you know, so just like the pilot jet would hang inside the carburetor and then and then sealing it up and kind of letting them sit over time to see what would happen, which ones would plug and a, a bunch of different things like that. So I want to kind of develop some sort of a little test for that. So it's like a not super scientific, but a good way to try to see what these fuel stabilizers do. But the enemy right now is ethanol. Uh, and one of my other techniques, especially with the four strokes, and everybody goes, you can't put two stroke oil on four strokes. Yes, you can. But anyways, I was my last tank of fuel before I stored my bike. I would mix my bike at like you know forty one, fifty to one, and run that last bit of fuel through there with the oil in there because my two strokes were not plugging pilot jets. It may have been because the pilot jets were a little bit bigger sometimes, but sometimes that oil would go in there and kind of coat the brass and kind of help it and make it so it was harder for stuff. We noticed that 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 would help. Um, the the downfall with that was is the two-stroke oil when it sits in a carburetor that isn't used every so often will also gum up and varnish down at the bottom. And so you get the, you know, you get this thicker stuff that's just as bad in some aspects. So, but it did work to a certain point. If you're not riding it as much, uh, it helped because ethanol attracts water. It's like it attracts water a hundred times more than fuel without ethanol is kind of the, the the rough, uh, information I was given. So hopefully, uh, I don't know. We're, we'll, that's, that's something we're working on. Um, let's see. Did I ever see the video of a guy getting his head run over by the semi? Um, no, I don't want to see that. <laughs> uh, mostly talking about fuel-injected bikes. Uh, yeah. So, actually, Chris will, Chris will step in and answer most of those questions because he's, he's, he's the scientist, and I trust him. Um Let's see, uh, Chris, adding a bit of wetting agent helps on several levels. Yep. Uh, neck brace. Oh, don't get me started on the neck brace. Uh, so another piece of protective equipment. I don't wear them. I have not been convinced of their effectiveness. I know what they're originally designed to prevent. I know that they've evolved quite a bit since I've tried them and used them. Um, my riding style, which is we'll call it low boy like this, does not help um, when I'm wearing a, it lifts my helmet off my head and, and moves my goggles around and makes me unsafe. So I don't wear them. That's a personal choice. And like all safety equipment, um, personal choice. So uh, uh, brass jets interact with the water and aluminum. Yes, correct. Uh, okay. So we are running through most of our questions. Uh, I know another sponsor we didn't talk about. Uh, TM Design Works has come on board with Dirt Bike Test. And uh, so what I want you to do is if you're on the website, you can look on the side banners on Fresh Dirt, and you'll notice that they're up there. They're up on the slider. We, I have been using TM Design Works products on 
our test bikes, even back when I was back at Dirt Rider, even back when I was racing. And I've had really good luck with them. And pretty soon, one of these times, I'm going to pull some of them off our bikes and bring them in and show you these things and how destroyed they are. And I'll tell you that, and destroyed in a good way, <laughs> they are well used and have lasted a long time. And I clipped a rock on our 450X uh, last week when I was riding with Chris, who is not here. He, he, like, he wanted me to say for you, he wanted to say good. Everybody, good. Uh, <laughs> good, it's good. Um, I moved a rock that had to have weighed like 50 or 60 pounds. I was just kind of going around a turn in a little bit of a rut, and it it moved this giant rock with the chain guide. And I when I hit it, I didn't worry about the chain guide. I'm, if you've seen the braces on the Honda, and actually go look at our 450 x um when i rode uh, the johnny campbell race bike how they brace that that um chain guide on there uh you can see i thought for sure i didn't worry about the chain guide i worried about the mounts in the swing arm i thought it would have torn it off but um the dent it put in that chain guide is pretty substantial but the reason it dented because it's that it's the the plastic the h what do they call the hpd you know some letters yeah so it's a it's a it's a whatever they make that stuff out of it it Instead of being metal, it dampened, and you can actually look at it, and it's pretty deformed, but it's still doing its job perfect, and it's still straight and aligned, and my chain didn't come off the sprocket. So uh, good stuff. They make the slide and glide kits and all kinds of different things that your chain and protective stuff. Their skid plates, I really like their skid plates a lot because they're not aluminum, and but they're as tough as aluminum, so they don't affect the, ha the, chan the uh, handling and the chassis. And hopefully uh, you check their stuff out. Um, it comes recommended. We have we have a test on the chain guide, and I think that's it on the website right now, but expect uh, some more stuff in the near future. And that's it. Like that, uh, the BMW 310, or oh, talking about a BMW now. I'm not going to go down Adventure uh, Bike Boulevard. <laughs> just Because I was going to talk about suspension, and this is how I'm going to wrap this show up tonight. So... Uh, we want to talk about suspension. We're going to kind of go over the steps to things to do your bike. I like to offer a tep tech tip to everybody, and uh, this may take more than the negative one minute that we have already gone over, but set your ride height on your motorcycle. It's, so it's called setting the sag. There's 800 videos on how to do this on the Internet. Um, all of them probably tell you to do it a little bit different. I'm sure the one that, you know, that this guy did is better than the one that that guy did. Everybody will tell you about it. Um, but here is the thing about setting your ride height. The manufacturer has a recommended ride height, and that is just a number that hopefully you're in the right position when you're setting it because if you move back on your seat or however you're setting it, it's going to change. And you move forward, and it's going to change. So when you take that setting, take it the same every time, and then you have a number. And in the beginning, set it to where they say to set it because that's a good baseline that's a great place to start then what you do is you adjust the ride height to make your bike work the way you want it to so if you add more spring tighten the spring up it's going to raise the rear up and put more weight on the front or if you loosen the spring up it's going to bring it's changing the attitude of the bike the entire time you're on the motorcycle so it works all the time how it changes use that as the baseline if you want to change the way it works, and we're not going into the clickers, all the other stuff, that's just the the setting. Get it where it's it's good. Don't be afraid to change it. Try a little bit this way. Try a little bit that way. You know, more and less. See where you're like it at. Then take the measurement exactly the same as you did the first time. And now your bike's working good. It may be the same as stock. It may be different. That is your ride height. Every time you take your ride height, you 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 now you have your number but make sure you take you're on the same position the bike you take the setting you take the measurement the same that's the trick to doing a ride height it doesn't have to just because honda says it needs to be 103 or 105 or dirt bike test says it should be 107 it depends on you i when i do my ride height on any bike i do it exactly the same and i'm particular about it. i don't want anybody balancing the bike for me because i'm going to balance the bike and i index myself off of my calves the way I sit on the bike and I, I, cause it puts me in the exact same spot on every bike and then I'm taking it the same. And so when 
and generally their number is pretty close for me. You know, it's it's a good setting. But if I start realizing, hey, I want a little more weight on the front wheel, I want a little more spring preload. So instead of being 107, I might be 105 or 103. And I've had people that manufacture tools to measure this stuff tell me I don't know what I'm doing uh, because I don't take the measurement right or I'm not on the right part of the bike or, you know, my angle. It's just a measurement. As long as you do the measurement consistently, you're going to end up with results that will help you set your bike up better. That's why it's adjustable so you can do this kind of stuff. It's amazing how much effect that has on everything, how your forks work, how your how your how bump compliant your bike is, all kinds of stuff. So, that's my tech tip. That's my suspension talk. We'll go into some other things next week. I'll put it on the front of the list. Uh, feel free to ask more questions on both the Facebook post that's going the chat room that's going on now. Uh on the YouTube video when I put it up there tomorrow. Uh, where else can we do stuff? Uh, San Felipe Bob says he's going to host a watching party because he wants to watch this whole video again to see what I was drinking. Yeah, because he's driving home, so he can't have a suds with me right now. Mm. So good times, everybody. Um, I will uh, maybe come back in here and ask answer a couple of the questions a little bit later when i shut this thing down but uh we're growing this is cool we survived our 13th show i didn't get struck by lightning gabe didn't shoot me yeah you don't have any guns do you gabe yeah he says yeah okay good yeah <laughs> no bullets he's got guns but no bullets yeah we're in nevada it's all cool around here um so uh right on i will uh hopefully or maybe not i don't know see you out on the trail but for sure next Tuesday. Bye.